AM 790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. And hello, 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 and welcome to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island, and happy Thursday, everybody. Boy, it was, did you catch that rain shower that came down earlier? It was it was like the heavens opened up suddenly, but I think it's because it's so hot and humid, but we know summer's here, and we know summer's here because Waterfire has been here. We had an incredible Waterfire uh, last week, and I'm really excited. I have an incredible co-host this week, and it's Andrew Doig, who works with me at Waterfire, and Andy, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, caught the rain in. And wash my car, so I'm feeling pretty happy. Uh, it's great to be back in front of the microphone with you and uh, with Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island. And uh, we did have a great fire last week. Uh, a beautiful time for uh, for everyone. The weather cleared up for us then, and uh, we actually had a, a really nice opening ceremony and uh, a full night. So yeah, and the Legion of Honor uh, award was presented to Ernie Corvoso. Right? Uh, that's Cervasi. That's Cervasi, right. Yes, yeah. um, and a ceremony that was attended by the. Uh, honorary French consul, and we even uh, we were able to, to do a tribute to those who were fallen in the conflict as well. So uh, as a living representative, Ernie was awarded, and those who passed were commemorated with a uh, pedal uh, toss or a release that happened on Pershing Street Bridge and, and Water Place Bridge downtown. So it was a wonderful ceremony for those who couldn't be there as well. And for those who do not know, today is July 14th, which is Bastille Day. And so how apropos and appropriate, you know, and so Bastille Day, if you don't know it out there, is kind of the uh, France's version of the 4th of July, our Independence Day. So, you know, we had a great fire. And the one thing that happened before the fire even started last week was we had uh, this incredible performance of Romeo and Juliet that was done on the Basin stage. And this is going to lead us right into the first part of our show and our two incredible guests that we have here with us. We've got Tyler Dabrowski from Trinity. Oh, Tyler. And the director, correct, of Romeo and Juliet. Correct. How are you doing, my friend? I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Yep. I was like, I was worried if you were caught in traffic on the way here. I was like, oh, is he going to make it on time? Yeah. I'm not really sure. <laughs> and then we've got um, Saul Ramos. And Saul, I, give us your title. I am the translator of the, the, the play, the script. All right. So let's talk about this mm-hmm. because with an acting background and a Shakespearean acting background personally, mm-hmm. I find it absolutely fascinating that when you've done this play, when you say you're the translator, this play is being done bilingually. So essentially we're seeing a mixture of English and Spanish, which I just absolutely love this idea. Um, Tell me, one, how did you get the idea to do this and why? Um, So I'll say, I guess, two things. One, uh, about a decade ago, Trinity Rep used to have sort of a mobile Shakespeare unit that went around the state and performed at parks and various other places. And we've always kind of wanted to bring that back. And then Trinity is also um, really an education center. You know, we have an an MFA program for actors and directors, but we also have um, a really outstanding education program for, you know, kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. And a lot of the students in Providence... uh, I think it's like 65% speak another language when they go home, you know, Mm. Uh, primarily Spanish. Um, So uh, we've been, Trinity Rep had been working with uh, Rhode Island Latino Arts and Marta Martinez. And um, we had 
made a couple of different uh, proposals and we discovered that maybe having a mobile Shakespeare with a bilingual aspect would be good for students and kids and families here in Providence. Um, and then that's how I got to meet Saul. Well, I, I think it's amazing because we were talking before we came on air that so many people are afraid of Shakespeare, just in general, because mm. they're used to, you know, remember back in high school having to read Hamlet and not understanding a word of it or, sure. or anything like that. <laughs> and that was because Shakespeare was meant to be performed. Right. And I think we're, you know, I love the fact that also being translated now as well into Spanish, mm-hmm. um, that's even better because we're broadening that. But what a feat that must have been. So what was that like? Uh, it was it was a little not too difficult, but it um, it took a lot of time. Um, first of all, I wanted to make sure the Spanish was proper uh, to the Shakespearean um, way. So I kind of used the old uh, Spanish from Spain to make sure it was accurate and it, it filled in the parts. And did you, when you're doing this, because you've performed this quite a few times mm-hmm. already, are you finding that that is easily acceptable and people are understanding that? Um, they know Spanish because you're, you're pretty much going back to the old language yes. like we do in Shakespeare. You know? mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's basically Spanish, but it's just the way it's pronounced. For example, instead of saying uh, you or us, we may say vos, mm-hmm. which some countries actually in Latin America still use that type of, of um words or language so it's just it's known it's not not it's just not the spanish that we use on a daily basis for example i have a question about the way that you chose to translate the lines because listening to the performance which was fabulous i was curious um it seemed that in the middle of a line we would break from english into spanish and back and forth it wasn't one actor dedicated to a certain language or uh one line in its entirety that was one certain language it seemed to be interspersed throughout the the line so what were the directorial choices or the language choices that you had to make to, to choose those points of transition. Yeah, uh, you know, I'll just say quickly that um, sometimes it was the intent of the character. So, for example, if Juliet is trying to keep something from uh, her family, if she wants to talk to her the nurse about um, her relationship with Romeo, she might use Spanish or primarily Spanish words uh, to talk about that, to keep, to keep it secret. Um, but then something that Saul can maybe talk about is um, a lot of kids today sort of do go back and forth between English and Spanish, even in the same sentence. Would you would you say that that's true? Yes, very true. We use a lot of Spanglish, is what we call it. <laughs> Spanglish? <laughs> yes, so we could be talking, and all of a sudden we throw in a word in Spanish or a phrase, and it's just easy for us to go back and forth. Yeah. So when we were doing the script, um, one of the things we considered was uh, we talked about it and primarily do one family, uh, Juliet's family, who speaks only or mostly English, and then Romeo's family, who speaks uh, mostly Spanish. And then, as Tyler said, Juliet uses it as a kind of like a secret language when she wants to communicate with a nurse about Romeo. And then Romeo and Juliet, when they do come together, they do speak Spanglish. They speak both languages, as do um, some of the other characters as well. I, I can't wait to see this. I was unable to see it because I was at Waterfire working at the other end of the the installation at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I Andy, you lucked out. You got you got to check it out. <laughs> and I get to see it again on the 23rd. Is Thanks. that right? Yeah. So there'll yep. be another performance of, of Romeo and Juliet on the 23rd for, for people who missed it the first time around. Mm. I mean, I, again, I think this is really important because, again, people shy away from Shakespeare, sure. not understanding that Shakespeare is all about Love, deceit. It, it is the best soap opera ever, <laughs> yeah. right, guys? Agreed, I mean, yes. and, 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 I mean, it really is. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, and people don't get that. And I think once we can bring that 
into the culture and let people understand it more. And I love the idea that now we're doing it in a bilingual way mm-hmm. um, that you're making just leaps and bounds. Is this something that you foresee yourself doing in the future um, with other productions? Yeah, I mean, I certainly hope so. You know, um, something that Marta Martinez talks about, uh, who runs Rhode Island Latino Arts, um, is she talks about how um, when you make a when you form a relationship with a community or a population that you don't want it to be just sort of a one-time thing that you want it to be forever you know what I mean that's the way you want to think of it so that's certainly the way that I think of it um, of this particular project of, of doing like a mobile bilingual Shakespeare taking um, Shakespeare and making it as accessible as possible to the Latino population of Providence and Rhode Island. Um, I certainly hope to continue to do it. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next summer, though. So we'll, I don't, we haven't we haven't even talked about it yet. So <laughs> we haven't. But um, for example, when we first started talking about it, um, we weren't sure which which uh, play to go with. And I said to Tyler, let me let me reach out to the community. Let me do a little uh, survey to see which they would you know like more. So once I I began asking people, uh, I can't remember. I came up with a whole. Thing. I was, I think it was like 98% yeah, said right. Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. And um, we decided to go that way. But the community is very excited and they're very uh, grateful, especially, you know, the um, actors that were cast as part of the, the, the show. And now these actors, are they part of the Trinity Rep group and then the MFA group that you're working with? Or how, how did you cast? Because that's, that's, you've got to be able to be bilingual. I couldn't. Right. Yeah. Myself. It's a, so it's a collection of, kind of people from all over, I'd say, right? There's a few um, uh, Brown Trinity MFA students. Um, there's some people that are working at our summer program for young people, Yazi, um, uh, the Young Actors Summer Institute. And then there's a fair amount of people that work with Saul on a, on a pretty regular basis. Um, uh, do you want I mean... Yeah, sure. So we, we, did, uh, we did have a um, open call casting auditions and... Um, it worked out great. We had a lot of people, and we do have some people that I work with on a regular basis in the community. Yeah. Um, even the main character, one of the main characters, um, Romeo, is someone from the community who's a great, great young man. Um, and what's his name? his name? Orlando Hernandez. All right. And um, he is uh, not just acts, but he also does tight, um, tap dancing which actually he gets to do in the show as part of his performance. He's a triple threat. Isn't that what we call yeah, those people? Yes, Can he sing yes. too? He's amazing. He's really great. <laughs> yeah, He's really yeah, wonderful. Yeah. And when I found out he tap danced, it was like, well, we got to put that in the show somewhere. Yes. You know? <laughs> so wait, wait, I'm just trying to figure out where Romeo tap dances. You can come see the show. You can yeah. come see the show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm just wondering, yeah. is it on the way to... Yeah, right. No. And he's really good too. I mean, he is. like, because I was sort of like, well, why don't you try it here? And then I, he just kind of like did like... A minute and a half of tap dancing, I was like, oh, man, this, yeah. guy's, this guy's really good. you got to throw a little tap yeah. dancing in for Romeo at that Absolutely. point, right? Yeah. Absolutely, now, yeah. does Juliet get to tango or well, anything like that? She, she does get to play a flute, actually, at one point. So, yes. you know. Nice. <laughs> it's, the whole cast is just, I mean, they have so many talents. I mean, play instruments, sing yeah. a, a lot, and they get to use it in the play. So, so if you had the ultimate goal mm-hmm. of bringing this to the community and doing it. What 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 was your ultimate goal, each of you, when, again, when you sat down and decided to do this and looking at the future with it? Um, one of the things that, that I did mention to, to Tyler is that um, sometimes the Latino community is a little bit afraid of downtown. Really? Not everyone, but, That's interesting. Uh, you know, it's, it's, they see it as, 
first an obstacle obstacle to get there. Sometimes it's parking's an issue and yeah, so on. Yeah, parking is an issue. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I think you know um, we we truly do see Trinity as a an amazing theater. You know, and sometimes. Uh, by no one's fault, sometimes they may not see it as accessible, but not because it's mm-hmm. not accessible. It's just because they're not sure how to approach. Yeah. So I think this is a great initiative. And I think one of the goals is to bring the Latino community into Trinity and downtown and make sure and let them know that it is accessible and that uh, they are trying to do or are beginning to do um, performances and initiatives to make sure that they are included. And I think that's really important because I think that's, you know, when we go back, we're talking about misunderstandings about whether it's people going Shakespeare Mm -hmm. um, or Trinity. That's not accessible to Mm -hmm. me. That's not that's not what I grew up with. And it is accessible to everybody. I go to a lot of the shows at Trinity Mm -hmm. Tyler and you Mm -hmm. guys are doing amazing work there. Thank you. So and would that be what is your answer to the question? Yeah, no, I mean, um, you know, there's always more work to be done, uh, but. Uh, a big goal for this was was to engage the Latino population in a in a deeper and and genuine way. You know, um, we we did a production, we did a performance at the South Providence Library on Tuesday, mm-hmm. and that was we had a lot of young kids, and you know, it was primarily a Spanish speaking audience, and that I think. That was like my favorite audience that we had. And were they digging it? They were love. I mean, they were up and dancing at various points. You know, they were like laughing at the Spanish jokes. You know, I mean, it was so that that felt um, really good because that was something that we were definitely um, trying to do. You know, and it's also like I mean, I I really do. I love Shakespeare and I love performing and it would it's um, I would hate for anyone to feel like that 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 it's not for them you know what I mean Um, so making sure that we that we are providing people with acting opportunities and that we're also bringing it into those particular communities um, was really important so I think we're doing it we can always do better but uh, you know that's what we're I feel good. I feel good right now, certainly. Well, I'm really proud of what you're doing. And, you know, when we were speaking, again, I was saying that when I was in college, one of the things that I wanted to do, because I went to USC, which was inner city, I always found with the the iambic pentameter Mm -hmm. that it was like rap. And now look, mm-hmm. at, I'm seeing Hamilton, and I'm like, sure, darn, yeah. he did it before <laughs> me. But, you know, but it is. It's bringing that... Um, that that love for knowledge mm-hmm. and actually making it again accessible and letting people know it's not that far away and actually yes. it's a lot of fun. Right, right. I mean, part of the joy for me is you know you have uh, words that were written 400 years ago, but they can still surprise you and make you laugh or make you cry. And there's a poetry in the language, and I think uh, some of the wonderful things that Saul has done is capture that poetry in in the language, which is mm-hmm. a really hard thing to do, but he manages to do it in in Spanish. Well, guys, um, we're going to come back. We're going to just talk about the dates that you have coming up. Um, we do have to talk about the fact that you're not going to be doing the date that's happening tonight because now this weather, what the heck oh, is with the weather pattern these days? <laughs> I, I don't get it. But we'll be right back with uh, Tyler Dabrowski and Saul Ramos, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Trinity. And then we are going to be talking about the Water Fire Art Center, our new building, uh, with Bill Tracy from Track Builders uh, and Andy. Yes. How are you doing over there? I'm, I'm doing well. I'm excited to speak with, with Bill. I've been following the progress of the building now for 
for over two months, and it's uh, it's going to be very exciting to share that in a, a whole new medium with All radio, right. all of you people out there. So you've been listening to AM790, your station for talk and business. I am Bronwyn Dannenfeld, so your host, and we will be back in a second talking about Romeo and Juliet, bilingual, and then going into the Water Fire Arts Center. And hello, 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 and welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. And just, you know, a reminder to everyone, a big thank you to uh, National Grid. They underwrite this show, um, and we've got a great sponsor, Lifetime Medical, and it's because of them that we're able to bring you all this wonderful information and talk to incredible people doing amazing things here in Rhode Island. Um, if you're just tuning in now, we've been speaking to Tyler Dabrowski, uh, the director of Romeo and Juliet, and he's the associate artistic director of Trinity Rep. Hello again. Hello. And then we're also talking to Saul Ramos, um, who adapted Romeo and Juliet, because this is a bilingual production that we're seeing, which is just phenomenal and blows my mind. Um, yes. Again, I will say that. Uh, and, you know, Raul, you are um, very... And I guess, are you the head of the Rhode Island Latino Arts or part of it? Or can you explain what the Rhode Island Latino Arts is? Sure. So Rhode Island Latino Arts is um, the executive director is Marta Martinez. Mm-hmm. And I've collaborated with her in different different um, projects and different, um, different things we've done together. Uh, Rhode Island Latino Arts is basically a, a huge organization, which is amazing, and promotes a lot of the Latino arts and different um, events. In, in Rhode Island specifically. Nice. So is it mostly theater or is it actual gallery openings? Um, is it a little bit of everything? Or? Well, she's uh, what they've done basically is a lot of, um, they offer a lot of workshops and a lot of um, different um, events that highlight either um, talkbacks from from different people from the community mm-hmm. or people from, from out of state and um, promote the arts and culture within Rhode Island. That's fantastic. So if somebody wants to find out more information or learn about uh, how to be part of this and, you know, or, or join one of those workshops. Um, yes. I mean, I would even love to go sit yes. at one, but I <laughs> don't understand Spanish, so I, I'm hoping uh, that they're, the they're in English. <laughs> <laughs> some, of those, learn. some of the stuff we've done is, is bilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, I participated with a couple of other members in a uh, kind of like a talk back and a performance slash workshop with uh, youth. It was called um, Nida Ki Nida Ya, which means not from here, not from there. Mm-hmm. So I kind of talked about uh, how some of our youth and, and people feel when they come from a different country, um, from Latin American country, and they don't feel like they're, they don't ident- they don't know how to identify if, if they're back home or if they're more from here now. Yeah. So we just talked about that and, and did um, some performances based on it, and it was amazing. So what's your background? I'm from Puerto Rico, actually. All right. Yes. I love Puerto Rico. I do, too. <laughs> so when, when did you come here to Rhode Island? I actually, um, uh, my family moved here when I was about two years old, mm-hmm. and then I, I did elementary school here, and then when I was about 11 years old, my family moved back to back there, so I did middle and high school there, and then I came back when I turned 18, and I've been back for about... 20 years. In Rhode Island, specifically? Uh, between Worcester, Massachusetts, and here in, in Providence. Worcester's got a thriving um, artistic movement going on as well um, yes. right now, don't they? Yes. Um, so, guys, we've got two minutes. Uh, again, congratulations on doing something that I think is groundbreaking and important and fun and just so good for our community. 
When are the next performances? We, we do know that tonight's is canceled again due to this stupid weather. Right, right? yeah. So we're, and we're going to uh, hopefully reschedule that probably um, not next week, but the week after. We're still trying to figure out dates, but we're going to figure that out. And then we have uh, a show on the 21st. That's at the Southside Cultural Center in Providence. Mm-hmm. And then on the 23rd, it's our water fire, our second You're water fire. You're back at water fire. Yeah, it's right going to be. On. And that's, I mean, that's so exciting. There's like, just because the amount of people, you know, it feels like there's, you know, hundreds if not thousands and what of time does that start at? That'll probably start around 6.30, a quarter or 7. All right, excellent. And so if people want to find out more information, just even about just the show, where do they go? They can go to trinityrep.com, and they can also follow us on Facebook. Um, and then they can also look at Rhode Island Latino Arts, their, their website and their Facebook page should have all the information. Well, it has been such a pleasure having you on. And you know, I, as we were saying during the break, I cannot wait. I want to have you back talking about all the other wonderful things that you're going to be doing um, coming up throughout the year. So thank you, gentlemen, for uh, taking the time. And I hope everybody out there is ready because we are about to talk about the Waterfire Arts Center exploding Absolutely. in this great period of transition. Right, Andy? That's right. We didn't know if the, uh, the flooring materials that the concrete will get poured on went in just a couple of weeks ago. And so we're going to see what the space will look like with a second floor. It's going to be uh, amazing. All right. So everybody, do not turn... Welcome back. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790. I am here with my co-host, Andy Doig. How are you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, Bronwyn. And we're also here with Bill Tracy from Track Builders. Yes, we are. our special guest for this half of the show. Yeah. I mean, this is is amazing because the Waterfire Arts Center is something that we've been working on. Um, It's really, it's starting to take shape. It is, yes. Thanks to a very incredible partner, Track Builders. And so, Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to be here. Um... Really excited to talk about the project and the relationship we built together. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a very strong relationship. And, you know, I remember when we first uh, kind of got involved with you reading about what your company's all about and what kind of what your feeling is. And every company's got their different kind of work. What would I say? Mission well, statement. Yeah, it's a mission statement. And it, I think Tracks is just such a has a community. Um, a community focus that you know waterfire is all about building community in maybe an abstract sense or a person to person and then when somebody comes in and does construction and is literally building a community it's great that we can hold hands and do that together um, especially because we're less than a block away in fact we can see our two headquarters from the roofs of each other and uh, I think Nelson, who's over there, actually kicked me off the roof once when I was trying to grab a couple yeah, shots. I, for I actually video. joked. Uh, the process, as you know, was uh, the selection process was a very competitive process. And I, at one point, I had joked with Barnaby that you know if we don't get this project, Nelson and I are going to sit up at our terrace and hit <laughs> golf balls through his new windows. <laughs> I'm glad we don't have to do no. But uh, it being so close in proximity, uh, it was extremely important for us to compete as hard as we could. So we were thrilled to have been selected, but also really surprised at, at the synergies that have kind of come out of the two organizations, um, all the different... Because you do have a community culture. That, that is part of your mission statement, and it's kind of working, right, and, and rebuilding and restoring. We do, and uh, but it's, it's projects like this that, you know, we always talk about getting to work with appreciative clients 
and um, we can just see that with the 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 team that we have now. Um, not only Waterfire, but everyone on the team, including Turkey Brown and the Aspen Group, yeah. and all and all of our great subcontractor partners, which. Um, I think you see that. Uh, yeah, I, I often go and film for a video series. If you're interested, check it out. You can visit uh, future.waterfire.org and see uh, Building for the Future. It's a video series that's released by month uh, by monthly, and uh, has kind of behind the scenes material about the construction of the building, and and also interviews with people who are doing the work on the ground. Um, and just to speak to this community aspect, Rhode Island welders who are doing a lot of the uh, Rhode Island welding and fabricating who are doing a lot of the the structural uh, fabricating and welding on site for the project are actually also right down the street, right off a of valley. So it's almost like the entire neighborhood's professional capacity is being pulled together and used to build the Water Fire Arts Center. And that's the kind of magnet that we were hoping the building would be for the organization in the future. People from all over the city will come in, they'll create there, and they'll be able to show off their their uh, accomplishments in that space. Yeah, so, Bill, I, I mean, you've been, how long have you been in the building at Track Builders? We've, we've been in the building uh, almost three years now. Yeah. Okay. So, so, you know the neighborhood that we've been in. I mean, Alco went in. So, sure. I mean, so anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about Valley Street. Um, 475 Valley Street? 475 Valley yeah, Street. It's kind of referred to as the promenade district, if you will. Yeah. I've heard it referred to uh, many times. Um and it can, it continues to kind of develop, and it's and now with this this new arts center, it's really going to be amazing. Well, I think that's you know that's one of the most important things that we're looking at here is trying to revitalize this community and, and bring it back, especially on this side, of you know where the mall is. You yeah. know downtown's been revitalized, sure. and we're constantly working on that. But is this why water fire? Why was why did you just want to jump on this project to, to do this building? Uh, besides it being you know right next door. Um, well, we know that, you know, look, we know water fire is iconic to the city of Providence, possibly the state of Rhode Island. It's potentially once in a lifetime for a contractor like us to be able to get involved with an organization like that. Quite frankly, we didn't even know, you know, what the possibilities were. We just knew that there were possibilities. And here I am talking on the radio with you folks. Yeah. And the work that Andy's done on the video series um, was really beyond, because beyond our comprehension, but such a thrilling opportunity. Because if you can imagine, we don't normally get this type of a of a client. It's usually institutional client or something. I don't know, less sexy than you're just not going to get that many opportunities. Although I will say the track has been fortunate to do some pretty cool projects. You've done restoration on Matthewson Street, right? We did Matthewson. Notably, we did the Dreyfus Building, yeah. uh, mm. also with Durkee Brown, uh, 10 years ago. And that, that was a big step for us. And then we've done other cool things. But this really is um, is, is unique. And the building's unique, too. Well, speaking of, of all this historic restoration, it seems that you have a particular experience in taking what may have been Providence's industrial past and transforming it into something of uh, the creative future for the, the city. So is, are there unique challenges that you feel that track was uniquely uh, equipped to handle when looking at 475? Because it seemed to me with all the old paint and the windows, and I mean, these are not projects that a new building has to deal with. No, I think there are, you know, there are a lot of good contractors that, that do this type of work. Uh, I think that the challenges uh, in historic restoration and tax credit projects 
are, you know, making sure that mock-ups are done correctly and, and there's a real collaborative approach to going through things on a step-by-step basis that gets all stakeholders, well, from your subcontractors to your historic tax credit specialists to your owners to your building inspectors, all these people have a large stake in the success of this project. So it's one thing to know the technical aspect of restoration and preservation, but it's another thing to know how to really collaborate well. Uh, and I think we're, we're uniquely qualified on that level. I've certainly seen a great deal of interest from Vada Masons, who's come in and done a lot of the masonry restoration in the building, and from um, Blastoff, who did the uh, surface uh, cleaning and, and some of the preservation work that's going into the. It's been great. Uh, I mean, and you remember, too, when we started out, the building uh, is on Valley Street. It has a large presence on Valley Street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That whole graphics thing that we collaborated with very early on yeah. um, with Gary... Gary, Gary Wallace, Gary from Wallace, Graphics, right. yeah. which is another, again, right in our community on Valley Street. He's um, operating a printing business, and he's got one of the only large-scale printing machines here in state. And he made um, some banners that we were able to put onto the fencing that surrounds the building project. And so people are driving down Valley Street, and they see three feet tall images of the future of the space. And they're brightly colored and engaging, and I think when people pass by those and they see what's still under construction, they're able to visualize, okay, in six months, we're going to see some bright light here. And it, it, it was a really effective project, and uh, and you, you guys helped us put it together, and... Uh, and it's still b- building interest for us all the time. Yeah. yeah. What is your What is your like most exciting thought about what you're going to see in this building, or what you might experience in this building, Bill? Well, for the people that aren't familiar with the building, it's an old rubber factory, the circa 1920s, and the floor to ceiling span in the main space is over 40 feet. So it's incredibly dramatic. Um, it's, it's it's unique to, uh, especially when you consider the client and what the client's going to be doing, i.e. water fire, and the fact that it's going to now be a full contemporary art center with an event space, there's really nothing on around that I've ever seen quite like it. It's got a museum-quality space, event space, and just uh, great industrial architecture that uh, the designers have done a fabulous job recapturing. You know, we, we had Trinity Rep um, there in the theater business, and this, this large space, and there's almost a theatrical space. There's an element of the cathedral to it, something that's that's really marks the space is these giant panes of glass. I mean, the windows are seem to be 80% of the building. I don't know what actually... Well, yeah, but they're not in yet, is. because I drove by the building. and No, that's right. Yeah. They're, they're not in I was yet. looking right through. But what I did <laughs> see is I saw the demo window go in, and as mm-hmm. soon as the plywood comes out and the glass goes in, the quality of the space changes, and it feels like you're ready to see something big happen in there. And well, I think it's going to be one of our largest spaces, gentlemen, isn't it, where we can hold events? And I think the occupancy is uh, uh, over 1,000. I'm not exactly sure of the number, but it's, it's going to be quite a space. Yeah, the last number I heard was over 1,000. And, and it'll be serving multi-purposes. So we'll have our production staff down there, the volunteers down there. You'll be right up the street, so you'll be coming down for lunch all the time, right, Bill? I guess so, yeah. yeah right. Barnaby's a, a, a heck of a chef, I'm told. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Well, we and do have an excellent caterer who might be coming in regularly. So Actually, we that. do. Russ Morin, right? Yeah, that's right. So we're going to be we're gonna be working on that. But this... this these stages of um, kind of the build-out, uh, Bill, where where do you see us right now as we look at, you know, 
from beginning to end. Where are we? Yeah, so we've done a lot of the early infrastructure, a lot of the cleanup, a lot of the demolition. Um, we've also built the elevator shaft, which connects to a new bridge, which spans across the space, which is kind of the signature architectural piece that went up a couple of weeks ago. I think you captured some of that on film. Yeah, that's right. Yep, and It was actually a, a, such an important element of the space that we ended up doing a ceremony there, and uh, people came down who uh, are members of our board, and, and we all watched that piece go into place. Yeah, and you all drank champagne, and you didn't invite me. Well, some of us did, so uh, I, I was huh? uh, working. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bill, so what, what has been, uh, I guess, some of the bigger challenges that you've seen when tackling a project like this? And does it really... Is this your passion? Because there's a creative side that has got to be part of, I would say, your general nature uh, to be involved in something like this. Well, as I said, this project is unique, and uh, it would, if you're not passionate about something like this, you're really, I think anybody would, and we certainly are as an organization. I think that, um, you know, the challenges have been, you know, just coordinating windows and steel and making sure we get everything right. I think you took a ride up to, I didn't make it on that That's field right. trip, but That's the right. windows are hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, and uh, they're being made up north, not too far. And didn't not you? too far at all. It's Boston, the manufacturer at Diamond uh, is making the windows, and, uh, and they were kind of which, yeah, we need, as you're saying, the amount of money, and I'm sorry, guys, because this is my job, oh. but, you know, Let's putting a project like this together takes, not only just putting the water fire event together, but now putting a building together yeah. takes incredible resources, it and does. and it really, you know, as Bill was saying, uh, it takes a village, uh, essentially, really not does, only right? just to build the building, but to put it together and to fund it. And there's going to be many, many opportunities to, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, exciting. naming opportunities for windows and stuff like that. But we really need the community to kind of come together because I think we're going to create something like Providence has never seen before uh, with the think of track builders and, you know, and this passion that's coming from everywhere. So we are always giving tours. Yes. of um, the building and if anybody would like a tour you can always just email Peter Mello uh, peter at waterfire.org or Nicole Purcell nicole at waterfire.org and he, you know it's I guess it's kind of fun to see this progression as we move along I mean it's got to be fun to you Bill as it, you kind it of is watch. I think this this has already set a record for photographs video and certainly for tours of people that are interested uh, we've been able to accommodate those tours safely as you know yes. you know Safety is a is a big part of our culture, uh, and we and Todd's been doing a great job with the safety. Yeah, his site supervisor is always responsive, but he's he's also very knowledgeable and and he answers uh, questions that you might have sometimes if you're not sure what's going on. He'll be able to to help a little bit. Yeah. The one thing that I did want to also mention, just architecturally, that I think is going to be really fabulous is the. Uh, I think it's the south side of the building is going to have a pretty expansive roof terrace, which will will have a great view of the city back to and and really right near the is it the Wanscatucket River? It is the yeah. Wanscatucket River, which connects to your whole program. I mean, I know it won't be a program per se, but just the well, f- we mentioned Gary Wallace earlier, and uh, 
he was speaking uh, with pie in the sky about how we might even bring water fire right up to the doors of our building with the Winnesquatucket River. Um, Wouldn't that be fun? That would be great. fun. That would be you fun. Try yeah. to do it at least once. <laughs> we got to try it at least even once. If it's, even if it's all of us on stand up. I think that means you need to dredge the small river that's going to lead up to that. Well, actually, we need to dredge the river just in general, right? That's true. I mean, <laughs> water fire has been struggling with. Uh, so if you're listening and you have any power to help us dredge the uh, the canals in downtown Boston, water fire would would love to speak to you. Downtown about Providence, it. not Boston. <laughs> no, not Boston. Providence. Did yeah. I say? Did you I say, said Boston. Uh, I'm like, no, we're in Providence. Sorry, folks. Dredge here. <laughs> if they could all get back to, and I know the the Wonsquatuck. River Foundation folks are doing a lot of work on trying to revitalize that river. Uh, yeah, the bike path that goes past the Water Fire Arts Center. And we've uh, we've talked about the Water Fire Arts Center as being a, a magnet to people who are in downtown and would like to go see the rest of the city because the Water Fire Arts Center, Valley Neighborhood, um, it is not far from downtown. You can walk there. I've done it on an event day before. It's easy to do. But it, the uh, 95 seems to create an artificial barrier between the two spaces. And the Winnescotuck River uh, Shed Council created a bike path that uh, goes underneath the water place small and uh, connects all the way up past Waterfire's uh, new art center and um, continues uh, deeper out of the city. But one of the things that our art center teamed up with galleries in the area, like the Green Gallery and Yellow Peril, um, maybe a couple of coffee shops and restaurants that are opening up. I know there's some uh, renovations going on at the Butcher Block for a uh, local grocery store that's su- uh, supplied by local growers, um, is going to bring people into this space that was otherwise um, almost forgotten about, I think. And as Providence has been improving over the past 20 years, maybe the Valley neighborhood didn't get the kind of attention that downtown did. And well, yeah, that's will we help people get there. That's what we were saying saying before, you know, that's why I was asking Bill how long Track Builders has been in that neighborhood because this revitalization and really seeing things kind of move, you know, we've watched the West End, you know, change and morph and and turn into something and kind of be rebuilt again. And I feel like we're doing that now in the Promenade District, don't you? And the West End's really connected as is downtown. That's that's this neighborhood is connected to both and kind of a V. But I, I would echo that if anyone's listening out there uh, to spend or allocate some budget dollars on the Wascatucket, because I think Absolutely. that river relocation and revitalization, not not relocation, revitalization, will connect all these neighborhoods. And then it becomes a much more pedestrian yeah. uh, friendly area. Yeah. Um, and I think that, that connects all of us. So in terms of passion and community, that's the type of thing that we, we love to see because we're in the neighborhood and um, be able to walk down the river uh, to, to downtown, to water fire, to an event is something that uh, is probably going to happen soon. Yeah, and then actually to be even able to go to an event at the Water Fire Arts Center so that, you know, because water fire is so ephemeral. You know, sure. we yeah. what, 10 to 12 times a year, we show up, we magically make magically all this. disappear. Yeah, we magically <laughs> yeah, disappear, like, within 24 hours, and, you know, it's almost like a Midsummer Night's Dream. We'll bring it right back to uh, our old Shakespeare friends <laughs> there. But, um, you know, so, Bill, what other tri- type of projects are you doing um, that are, I mean, I know, again, we talked about, you've done some uh, restoration, so on Matheson yeah, Street. Sure, um, sure. Wh- so what's Track Builders up to? These days, um, we don't have another water fire somewhere else, but uh, I think I kind of told you that. We're doing uh, f- four or five schools, yeah. uh, a couple of schools in Cranston, Pawtucket, Framingham, and we've got some affordable housing projects going on. So, um, you know, it seems like the economy's 
a little better. Do you think the economy's turning? Well, I think it's it's better. You know, Rhode Island and Providence are you know slightly behind Mass and Boston, as we all know. But I think it's uh, I do see some quite a bit of activity. It's 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 better. I think. That's good to hear. I mean, it's nice to hear something positive and that we were kind of moving in a good direction, seeing that there was a slump for such such a period of time. Did you experience that in the construction uh, business? I think everybody did. Everyone did. Uh, yeah, I think there's nobody who got away scot-free on that. But, yeah. um, you know, luckily now it seems to be uh, be pretty, pretty connective in terms of the economic activity out there, at least for us anyway. Well, I just want to say uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but uh, Bill, you and your entire team, Rachel, let's give Rachel a Rachel Driver. Rachel's uh, great. Yeah. And great working with her on our, our Building for the Future video series. Uh, mm-hmm. Check out all the work that she's done with me at uh, future.waterfire.org. Yep, so you can know um, futureatwaterfire.org. You can see all the work that Andy's been doing. We are keeping people updated at moment by moment, essentially, or week by week, or sometimes it'll be biweekly. But as to where we are in the process of this building, we'd love for you to come down and see it because it's like this big, beautiful, open canvas, and the possibilities are endless. And, Bill, you know that, and I'm sure that your mind just must be going all the time, going, what else can I introduce into so, this? So is Barnaby's, as you well know. <laughs> oh, that that <laughs> mind does right. not stop. That <laughs> mind does not stop. But um, I want to thank you for being incredible partners, because you've also sponsored Waterfire this year, um, and that is so crucial to us in letting us do what we do. Um, everybody, uh, so I want to thank you, Bill, for yep. being with us today, and I great. hope we're going to get you. you back. Yeah, sure, anytime. All right, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more when we're further down the road and andy thank you for being a wonderful co-host everybody out there on next water fire july 23rd get ready it's going to be a fun one um uh, you've been listening to am 790 your station for talking business on water fire ignites rhode island see you down by the riverside